So we're going to go ahead and jump right into the word. I don't want to prolong it any further. Um, <clears throat> if you were here for our 8 o'clock class on Sunday, uh, I had the honor and the privilege of preaching our 8 o'clock class this past Sunday. And what we talked about was maximizing your potential. That's what we talked about on this past Sunday at our 8 o'clock service. We talked about maximizing your potential. Everybody say maximizing, maximizing. my potential. Uh, the word that we had uh, that, I, that, that God given to me on maximizing uh, our potential, I, I thought it was a very pertinent message even to me um, because we are in an endless amount of opportunity. As you can see, we're in a new church campus. Uh, we haven't even been in this church campus for a year, and there is a lot to be done. There's a lot to be done. The vision that pastors have is grand and big, Amen. And so it's going to take a lot of us, all of us, to join in with the vision to help his vision come to pass. And in doing that, there is the opportunity for us to do what God has called us to do as well as we join with the vision. And so this is going to be part two of what we talked about on Sunday morning, and I hope it blesses each and every one of you. Uh, I want us to go to our theme scripture for this evening, which is Genesis 39. We're going to go right back there, and we're going to look at verses 1 and through 6. Genesis 39, verses 1 through 6. Hallelujah. And while you're turning, I want you um, to start to think about some of the opportunities that you have in your life that God has given you. You know, some of us, we serve here at this church. Some of us are uh, part of the praise team. We're part of the AV team. We're part of the security team. Uh, we're part of the bookstore. Uh, you know, if you're part of the, the band, if you're part of, you know, cleanup crew and the dream team, uh, a lot of us have what you would call opportunity. Here to serve at KCOH, at Kingdom Church of Houston. So one of the things that we're talking about, we're going to recap uh, what we talked about on Sunday, but one of the things that we talked about was how do you see the opportunity that you have? If we live, when we read in this passage, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, right? And so he was sold into slavery by his brothers, and we're going to look at that passage as well. Um, and after he was sold to slavery, he was sold to Egyptians. When he became a slave, as in the, as to Egyptians, to Potiphar, uh, who was an Egyptian taskmaster, we see in the word that God blessed him. God gave him favor with Potiphar. Joseph saw slavery as an opportunity. It's the only way he could have succeeded. That's the only way he could have prospered. He would have had to see it as an opportunity. When we think of slavery, do we think of an endless amount of opportunity for the people who are enslaved? Is that what we think when we think about slavery? But Joseph saw it as an opportunity. And we're going to see it in Genesis uh, 2. Let's go back to 1. Let's go to 1. Hallelujah. And it says, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was prosperous, and he was a prosperous man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. You can go to the next one. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. Everybody said the Lord was with him. Everybody said the Lord was with him. 
and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. See, when you have an opportunity given by God, he will make you to prosper everything that you're putting your hand to. It doesn't matter the circumstances. See, we, we look at our circumstances and our situations in life as indicators that God is blessing us. But as we see right here in this passage, that you could be a slave and God still be with you. You can have a taskmaster, somebody that's over you in authority, and God still be with you. And not only that, will God be with you, but watch this, he will cause everything in your hand that you put your hand to, to prosper. We see this in this passage very clearly. So that should be an indicator to us that no matter what our circumstances are, no matter where our situation is, whether we have a car, whether we don't have a car in this moment, come on somebody, whether we're in a relationship, whether we're not in a relationship, come on somebody, whatever the situation is, whatever the situation that we find ourselves in, we can prosper in that situation. It's what, it's the opportunity that God provides that allows us to change our circumstances. See, a lot of times we're looking for God to come change our circumstances. We're looking for God to come change our situations. But here's my question to you. What if the very circumstances, situations that you're in, number one, might be your own fault? Hello? Come on, somebody. Yeah, let's not act like the devil is the cause of everything. Let's not act like God is the cause of everything. Sometimes we make stupid decisions, amen? So the very circumstances and situations that we may be in, it might be our own fault. But when we have God with us, he causes everything in our hand to prosper. It's the grace of God. It's the mercy of God. It's the favor of God that allows that to happen. Amen? So as we read in this passage, Joseph, who was a slave, he saw it as an opportunity. God was with Joseph. He was with them. If you remember on uh, uh, Sunday morning during that 10 o'clock class, I talked about Tom Brady. Tom Brady is one of the greatest quarterbacks, if not the greatest quarterback to ever live, right? I'm a football guy. I love football. I love basketball. A lot of these uh, players and uh, athletes who have achieved great things, uh, they have great accomplishments, and things to look at as inspiration. Tom Brady, if you're not familiar with him, uh, was drafted in the sixth round of the NFL draft. He went on to win seven Super Bowls, five MVP championships, more, uh, most valuable player uh, 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 accolades. He, went, he, he was a three-time NFL MVP, right? And the list went on and on and on. He had accomplishments all across the board. But he was looked at at the very beginning of his career as one of the lowest players on the totem pole. He's not the only one. There are many successful people who was at the bottom when they first started. Steve Jobs founded the company Apple in his family's garage, right? He saw that as an opportunity. And now Apple is the number one technology company in the world. Tyler Perry, and we don't endorse any of these people, amen, but Tyler Perry, uh, he first wrote letters to himself in his personal journal, and that became his first ever play. 
Tyler Perry. See, these are the worldly people. It's a scripture in the Bible that says that the children of darkness are often wiser than the children of light. These are secular people using the principles of God. In 1878, the Wright brothers' father gave them a toy flying helicopter model powered by strands of twisted rubber, which inspired them to invent the efficient plane travel, right? So the Wright brothers, they started with a toy model of a helicopter with rubber bands on it. They turned that into a plane. Obviously, they saw that as an opportunity. LeBron James was introduced to basketball by a local youth football coach when he was only nine years old. At nine years old, LeBron James saw basketball as an opportunity. Here's my question to you. Whatever situation you find yourself in right now, do you look at it as an opportunity? The church that you go to, Kingdom Church of Houston, do you view it as an opportunity? That's my question to you. Let's, we're going to recap. Let's go to the definition of opportunity. The definition of opportunity is a set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. A favorable time, watch this, occasion and moment. It's a favorable time, occasion, and moment. If a moment passed, do you ever get it back? No. You never get a moment back. A moment is just that, a moment. It's quick. And once it leaves, once it passes, you'll never see that same moment again in your future. That's how critical opportunities are. It's a favorable moment. You get an opportunity or a favorable moment, in the blink of an eye, it can be gone. You'll never get that opportunity back again. So that's why it's critical for us to know how to respond when we have an opportunity. Because it's a favorable moment. So how do you recognize an opportunity by God? If we read in Genesis 39, 2 through 6, there are three things that were present in Joseph's case. And we, this is just review. We talked about this at our 10 o'clock or 8 o'clock class on Sunday. Favor and prosperity was the first thing, right? We saw in the Word of God that favor and prosperity was with Joseph, right? As we read in Genesis 39 and 2, he had both favor and God caused everything he did to prosper. He had favor with Potiphar, and everything he did prospered. So when you're in a God-given opportunity, right, if there's favor present, right, if there's an opportunity or the ability to prosper in that situation, it could be an opportunity from God, right? Take, for instance, KCOA to Kingdom Church of Houston, right? How many times has pastor said, you know what, I just need somebody over here in this section of ministry that can help me out, right? I need somebody over here in this section of ministry that can help me out. Who's willing to help, right? What is he doing? He's presenting you an opportunity. But watch this. It's an opportunity that has favor because he's the man by which he's providing the opportunity to you. Right? You're getting favor from pastor. And many times he says, I'm looking for, come on, leaders, help me, generals. Right? I'm looking for people who are going to generalize, who's going to be the master of their area. 
whatever it is, right? So there he is giving you an opportunity to prosper as well. How many times has pastor said, we don't have any money problems? We don't have any financial struggles. If people need to get paid, we can pay people. How many times have we heard pastors say that? Right. He's offering us opportunities where favor and prosperity is present. The second thing that's present when you're, giving a, you're getting a God opportunity or a God-given opportunity is when God is with you. That's how you know. That's the second thing, when God is actually with you. Let's go over to Deuteronomy 2 and 7. Let's go to Deuteronomy 2 and 7 really quickly. And we're going to see that God with you is a sign that you have an opportunity from him. Deuteronomy 2 and 7. And it reads, the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. Everybody say, the work of my hands. God has blessed you in the work of your hands, and he has watched over your journey through this vast wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord God has been with you. Everybody say, with me. The Lord God has been with you, and you have not lacked anything. That's the second key to finding out whether or not God has given you an opportunity. God is with you. There are signs, wonders, and miracles accompanying that opportunity, right? I would call being a slave and then having my slave master put everything that I have in my hand, a sign, wonder, and miracle. What say you? Yeah, that happened. That happened for Joseph. It was unnatural. It was uncommon. But Potiphar did it because it was a God-given opportunity. Amen. The third way you can tell that God is giving you an opportunity is when there's room for promotion. Let's go to Daniel 2 and 48 really quickly. Daniel 2 and 48. Daniel 2 and 48. Let me see if it's up there. Yeah. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief of governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Let's go over to Daniel 3, 28 through 30. And we're going to see that not only Daniel was given a promotion, but the three Hebrew boys was given a promotion. This is shortly after they were thrown into the fiery furnace by King Nebuchadnezzar. King, the king turns around and gives him a promotion right after he throws him into the fiery furnace. Watch this. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who have sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Next scripture. Therefore I make a decree that every people... Nation and language which speak anything amiss against God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted, everybody say promoted. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. That is the third way that you can tell when God is giving you an opportunity, there's room for promotion. 
So let's recap. Three ways that are present in a God-given opportunity. Number one, favor and prosperity. Number two, God's accompaniment when God is with you, in other words. And number three, when there's room for promotion. After we talked about that, we went on to talk about you, us, as members of KCOH, of Kingdom Church of Houston. And the analogy I used was, you know, when I, as a PK, as a preacher's kid, as somebody that grew up in church, um, that grew up under my dad's ministry, when I went away to college, I thought that my opportunity was out there somewhere. I had to go find my opportunity. My opportunity was at a whole nother location other than Houston, Texas. My opportunity was at a whole nother place other than Kingdom Church of Houston and where my dad pastors. I'll share a quick story with you. Uh, I didn't share this on Sunday, but this is part of the story. So I remember when it was time to come back to Houston. And uh, this is right before COVID hit. I had actually gotten the opportunity to play at uh, Pastor Pearson's, Jeremy Pearson's church and be a part of their band. If you're not, if you're not familiar with, with Jeremy Pearson, Jeremy Pearson is the grandson of Kenneth Copeland. How many of y'all know that Kenneth Copeland is a billionaire? So if Jeremy Pearson is the grandson of a billionaire, how many of y'all know he probably got some money too? And so he started a new church. And here I thought, here I thought, what a grand opportunity, right, to play the drums for an international ministry. Jeremy Pierce has had an international ministry. He was ministering to millions of people on television already before he even started his church, right? I saw it as an opportunity. I said, wow, here I have an opportunity to play the drums for one of the most famous uh, ministers in the world. I'm talking about a worldwide ministry, y'all. Shortly after that, when I came back home, and the Lord told me to stay in Houston, they called me, and he said, hey, we want to know, you know, are you going you know, to be a part of our band? Are you going to, you know, be a part of the ministry and, and the music ministry? And I had to tell them no. And they was like, why? Is something wrong? Is something going on? I said, no, I just believe that God has called me to Houston. I was only supposed to be at that school for one year. This was when I was in Colorado. I was at Karis Bible School. I thought I was going to be there for at least three or four years. I thought maybe I was going to start my own little thing or whatever. I thought the opportunities that I had available to me was outside of where I came from. But how many of us would be honest and say, you know what? This is the biggest opportunity that we're ever going to get. Sometimes you feel like the opportunity is somewhere else or is at another location, but God has placed the opportunity right in front of you. If you believe that, that would be a good place to say amen. Opportunity many times is right in front of us. When you find a church like this, a gold mine of a church, Kingdom Church of Houston, this is your opportunity. This is your land of promise. Your promised land. 
when God has planted you at a church, when he's planted you and under the leadership of a man of God, wouldn't you say that Pastor Ronnie's a man of God? Well, then he's giving you the headquarters of opportunity for your life. If you look in Acts and you look at the New Testament church, you see scriptures like, and the church gave everything they had to the church. And everything was common amongst all the church members. They gave everything. Many members of the, of the early church gave everything they had. Why did they do that? Because they recognized the place of opportunity is where the house of worship was, where God had planted them. I think many of us, we would, uh, our situations would change and our lives would change if we simply recognize that there is no other opportunity greater than the one I have right now. I just need to go ahead and do what God told me to do right here at this place, right? I need to, I need to go and use the opportunity God has given me right here at this place. I wonder if Joseph, and we're going to read it, we're going to read it further down in the scripture, but I wonder if Joseph had the mindset that, oh, I'm in slavery. This is not where God wants me to be. I don't feel like I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be somewhere else. I don't need to be in slavery. I wonder if he had that mentality, would God have been able to promote him? We have to stop complaining. We had to stop being ungrateful. We got to stop griping, moaning, and griping about the situations that we in because maybe it's an opportunity for God to use us so that we could come up. Amen? So, we went to a couple of scriptures to back that up. I'm just going to go to one because I'm pressed for time. But let's go to Ezra 6 and 14. And I'm still in the recap. Still in the recap. But Ezra 6 and 14. Ezra 6 and 14. And it says, the elders of the Jews build it, and they prosper through the prophesying of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Iddo. And they build it, and they finished it according to the commandment of God of Israel, and according to the commandment of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. The elders of the Jews built it, and they prospered. Everybody say prospered. They prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Endo. What does that mean? What does that mean? These people committed themselves to building up the house of the Lord, and they prospered through the teaching and the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo. Your place of prosperity, your place of opportunity is right here at Kingdom Church of Houston. If this is what you, if this is the church that you call yourself a member of, this is how you're going to prosper. By helping build up the vision, by help giving everything you have to the vision, and then you're going to prosper. Under the word, the prophesying, the signs, wonders, and miracles, the mentorship, the teaching of Pastor Rondi and First Lady. See, it's all in the word. The word backs us up many times. So here's my question. Are you solidified that Kingdom Church is your place of opportunity? You know, Pastor has been teaching a dynamic series on the power of imagination. 
And uh, it was so funny, after going back and, and looking at the scripture, how much the power of imagination is linked to living out and prospering through a God-given opportunity. Imagination is very key. This is what pastors has been trying to get over to us if we've been paying attention. It's the main key to building yourself up in faith. It's the key to staying rooted to your dreams, to the God-given dreams that he's given you. And I, I started thinking, I said, you know, I said, you know, Joseph, this all started, him being second in command in Egypt, it all started with a dream. So I got curious and I looked up, where exactly do we dream in our psyche, in our brain, right? Where does dreams come from? And it was very interesting. I found out that dreams often are developed in our hippocampus. It's the main place. It's in the frontal lobe of our brain. It's the main area where dreams are created. And then I looked up, I said, well, okay, I wonder where imagination is utilized within us, in our psyche, in our brain. And when you know it, imagination is also developed in the hippocampus, the frontal lobe. Dreams and imagination are developed in the same place in our brain, which simply means that a dream is just your imagination when you sleep. That's all a dream is. It's an act of imagination while you sleep. And I, so I got curious, and I said, well, if a dream is utilizing the same exact parts of the brain that we use for our imagination, then that means the dream is simply our imagination at work while we're asleep, then the very thing that I might be imagining while I'm awake could be the equivalent to God giving Joseph a dream while he was asleep. It intertwines. It's the same thing. It's the same principle. So I started to look at it. I said, well, okay, all of this, Joseph becoming the second in command, really, it just started with his imagination. If we read Genesis 37 and 5 through 11, it tells us very vividly that Joseph had a dream. <laughs> and Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren. And they hated him yet the more. You can go to the next scripture. And he said to them, here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. Basically, he's saying that in his dream, his sheaf was standing up and his brother's sheaves were bowing down to him. And his brother said to him, shalt thou indeed reign over us? Arched or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet more, yet the more for his dreams and for his words. Or in other words, they hated him for his active imagination. What he had imagined himself to do, they hated him. 
is we see in this passage that it started with Joseph's imagination, we see that imagination is very powerful. And that is a God-given part of us that we must utilize to maximize our opportunities. So let me, let's go to the result of Joseph using his imagination. Let's go to Genesis 42, 6 through 9. Chapter 42 in Genesis 6 through 9. And it says, and Joseph was the governor over the land. This is many years down the line. So he was in slavery. The, the brothers hated him. They put him in slavery. And then once he became a slave, you know, he was under Potiphar. And Potiphar gave everything that he had to Joseph for him to take care of. And then Potiphar's wife accused, falsely accused Joseph of rape. And so he was thrown in the jail falsely. And in the jail, he became the ruler over the prisoners in the jail. And then he got brought out of prison, brought to the king, and he gives the king the formula for the Egyptians to still prosper through a famine. And now we get to here, where Joseph has been appointed the governor over the land. And he, uh, and, and it was sold to all the people of the land, and Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself stranger to them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said to them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew, they knew not him. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed of them. He remembered that imagination that was active all those years ago that prophesied that he would be in this very place. I want us to see how powerful an imagination is. It's the difference between maximizing your opportunity and missing your opportunity. So I started to think, well, why do people, why do we sometimes miss opportunities? Is it simply because we're not uh, imagining ourselves to maximize or make the most of the opportunities that we're getting? Is that the reason why? Well, we're going to read the scripture that I thought was very interesting because it put a whole nother shade on what we're going to talk about tonight. See, a lot of times I don't think it's so much that people have a problem imagining. I don't think so much it's, 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 a, it's a problem with people not having an active imagination so much. We see that sometimes. People don't have the power to dream or have the power to imagine something to happen for them. But a lot of times, I believe that we miss opportunities because we end up imagining the wrong things. We're going to see this in Numbers 13. Let's go to Numbers 13. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 3 and then 25 through 33. It's important that we use the imagination that God gave us to imagine the right thing. In Numbers 13, 1, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads 
of the children of Israel. I want you to skip down to verse 25, and we're going to read through 33. So Moses, God tells Moses to send out spies to spy out the promised land, the land of Canaan. This is the land that the Israelites got out of Egypt for. This is the land that they've been going through the wilderness for. They finally come upon the opportunity to seize the land of Canaan, to seize the promised land. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went on and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came unto the land, whether thou sent us, and surely it flowed with milk and honey. This is the fruit of it. Have you ever been in a situation where you see that there is, this is going to be a good opportunity, right? This, this might actually be a great opportunity. This might actually be something that benefits me greatly, this opportunity I have. Watch this. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are well are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. So at this point, the Israelites are just coming up with all the excuses in the world. And they have an opportunity to seize the very land that they've been wandering the wilderness for. And Caleb still the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. How many of us say we got Caleb? We got the spirit of Caleb on the inside of us. Let's, let's go up at once. Let's overcome it, right? But the other men, the men that went up with them said, we be not able to go up against the people. For they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. Go to the next verse. And there we saw giants, the son of Anak, which come of the, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight. As grasshoppers, so we are in their sight. What are they doing at this moment? The moment where God has given them their golden opportunity to go into the land of promise, the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land of success. What are they doing in this moment? They're using their imagination to not maximize their opportunity. Look at what they said. We are in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so were we in their sight. Now, if you read later on, it was the Canaanites who felt like they were the grasshoppers <laughs> to the Israelites. They felt like the Israelites were way more powerful than them because of the God that led them through the wilderness. They heard all the mighty signs. But what happened? The Israelites in this stance, in this particular passage, they allowed their imagination to be the opposite of what God wanted them to be. 
A lot of times we imagine failure when we get to an opportunity. It's not so much that we don't have an active imagination. Our imagination is actively wrong. It's actively imagining the wrong things. What if I get to become a leader or a pastor or a minister and I fail? I, I, I experience more failure. What if I get into a position of leadership and I don't do it the way pastor wants it to, wants him to, me to do it? What if I, I, I start the business that God wants me to start, but it ends up being a failure, I end up going bankrupt? What if I get into this relationship that God wants me to get into for marriage, but I'm not ready yet? What if, what if I'm not ready to go to the next level? What if I fail? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if I'm a grasshopper in the sight of the Canaanites? It's imagination. It's the rumination. It's the thinking about whether or not you're going to succeed. Thinking about failure. That's oftentimes what holds us back. And what I call an imagination based on failure, I call that fear. That's all fear is. It's your imagination actively going on all the things that could go wrong. That's what fear is. You're imagining things not going right. Things not going the way you're supposed to be. But look at what the Bible says. God said that they came back with the evil report. When you allow your imagination to go against the God-given opportunity that he's given you, God calls that evil. It goes against his will for you. When you're allowing yourself to dwell on the things that could go wrong if you obey God. The things that might go wrong, the riskiness to obeying God. When you allow yourself to think about that, God calls that an evil report. So could it be possibly the reason why we haven't stepped up in serving at our local church? Could it be the reason why we haven't stepped up in being bold for Christ in evangelism and discipleship? Could it be the reason why we have not stepped up? as ministers, as preachers, as advocators of the gospel? Could it be the reason why we haven't done any of these, of these things? It's because we're using our imagination the wrong way? Because we're operating out of fear? I want you to think about it. What's holding you back from giving your all to God? What's keeping you from fully entering the land of promise in your life? Whatever it is. Right? If you're single, what's keeping you from getting married, from finding your kingdom spouse and marrying them? What's keeping you? If you're in a low financial income situation, what's keeping you from prospering in your finances? Maybe it might be imagining the wrong things. Just like we can utilize our imagination to maximize our opportunities, we can also use our imagination to miss our opportunities. The Israelites missed their opportunities by imagining failures as opposed to success. Here's my question to you tonight. How are you imagining your opportunities that God has given you? How do you see it? Remember uh, back on Sunday I said, 
the greatest, one of the greatest things that a human being has is perception. How do, they, how do you see something? How do you look at something? How do you view something? Do you view it as small? Do you view it as insignificant? Do you view yourself as small? Do you view yourself as insignificant? Do you view yourself powerless? Do you view yourself always struggling? Do you view yourself as a person that can never get ahead, that can never overcome, that can never be successful? Do you view yourself as a victim? Or do you view yourself as a victor? Do you view yourself as an overcomer? Do you view yourself as somebody that God can use mightily? It's all about how you're imagining and you're viewing your opportunities. So as we close tonight, I want us to think about exactly how we're viewing our opportunities. You know, at Kingdom Church of Houston, my dad has uh, had this church and been a pastor of this church since 2012. And one of the things that I've seen him do in ministry over and over and over again is maximize every single opportunity that he has. Way before he even became the pastor of Kingdom Church of Houston and founded Kingdom Church of Houston, he was a youth pastor at my uncle's church back in Charlotte, North Carolina. As the youth pastor of that church, he started with only three or four youth in the youth ministry. They didn't have no space for the youth ministry at that church. So they allowed the youth ministry to go to the basement of the church where there was this dirty, just cobwebs, stuff that they wouldn't use. I mean, it was just piles of junk in there. But Pastor Rondi, way back when, he saw the vision. He saw the opportunity to establish the youth ministry at that church. So he had people come in, clean up all that dirt, all that trash, in the basement of the church. And that became where the youth ministry was founded. Do you know that less than a year and a half later, that youth ministry blossomed to over 200? Just in that quick amount of time. How is that possible? Because pastors saw an opportunity. He saw it and maximized on that opportunity. This is our pastor. This is the leader that we're under. So if that same anointing to maximize an opportunity was on his life, and we're his members, that same anointing can be on us to maximize the opportunities in our lives. Amen? Come on, let's give God a hand and clap of praise for that word that bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.